0: Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. It's good to be with you. It's good to spend this time together. I hope that you've been blessed already by um, the opportunity just to to greet one another and to lift your voices in in praise uh, and prayer. To our gracious Lord, and to uh, uh, hear the the words of those beautiful songs, and um, and then uh, you know the test, the testimony, and the giving time. Uh, it's just a blessing to be uh, joining with you all together today, being together, taking this time together. I, uh, as uh, someone mentioned, I think <laughs> I don't know who mentioned that this is the ninth week of our nine week. Uh, spiritual growth campaign that we are calling "Be a Good Human," and so this is the final uh, s- uh, sermon in that in that series uh, uh, today. And uh, just be a good human, of course, has become a uh, a catchphrase in our day. It's a popular meme. Uh, but what does it mean to be a good human, and 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 what does it take? Uh, and that we've been we've been talking about that, and for the last. Uh, Nine uh, weeks, we've been inspired by the words of the prophet Micah. He said that God has told us what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I want to take a, a bit of time this morning to look at three words that we see in that last statement. Because for the last uh, three weeks, including this week, we're talking, uh, focused on the subject of humility. So those three words are humbly, walk, and with. So first of all, humility. It's been our subject now for these uh, three weeks. And two weeks ago today, Josh shared with us how uh, humility is the starting point for faith. That faith begins with humility. Humility. We enter a relationship with God by means of the salvation that he provides, and it's all his work. Um, And we receive that salvation as a gift, or we don't receive it at all. Uh, Remember the words that Jesus said uh, that we looked at two weeks ago. He said this, unless you humble yourself like a child you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So they were arguing about who was gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, if you do not humble yourself like a little child, you cannot even enter the kingdom of heaven. And you may recall Josh saying that week that the word in the Greek text there for little child is is not a reference to a kid, but to an infant. So we're not talking about someone who can, can do quite a bit and just need some help. We're talking about somebody that's completely dependent, somebody that can't uh, care for themselves or take care of themselves at all, uh, helpless. Um, And the point is that we contribute nothing to our salvation. That's the point. It's all of grace or it doesn't happen. Uh, Jesus doesn't just do the heavy lifting. He does all the lifting. And we don't climb up to heaven. The words of the song we sing, we often sing a song. Jesus, you brought heaven down. You didn't want heaven without us, you brought heaven down. I think it's what a beautiful name, I think, is the song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So one thing we can be absolutely certain of is that not one single solitary soul will ever find themselves in heaven someday and be able to say, I did it. Or look at what I did. Because God assures us that there will be absolutely no room for boasting. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, there would be no room for boasting. Or, or Ephesians chapter 2. Let's take a look. Take a look with me at Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, just, uh, if you would, just pause uh, and, and pray with me this morning. Thank you, Lord, for all that we've been able to enjoy here today. Thank you for all that we've been able to be encouraged by and, and challenged by. Uh, Lord, you are so good, and and we have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for. Uh, Today, at this time, Lord, as we we turn uh, to your word, we pray that you would speak through uh, this sacred text, that you would speak to our hearts by your spirit, that we would have ears to hear, that we would um, be willing to come under the conviction of your Holy Spirit as you minister to us through your word this day, and that our lives will be changed as a result and that you will be glorified in it all. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, many of you have committed it to memory. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone, uh, so that no one can boast. So it's by grace that we are saved. It's not of our own doing. It is a gift of God, and there is no room for boasting. An integral part of biblical faith is the recognition or the confession that we are completely needy and entirely unable to do anything to save ourselves, and therefore we are absolutely dependent upon God and his grace for everything. So that's why we can say with confidence that Humility is the beginning of faith. The proud resist God, and God resists the proud. James 4, verse 6 and 7. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud. See that? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, verse 7, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And again, this shows in our in our attitude, right? That's what boasting is. Boasting is a, is a very bad attitude. It shows that we don't understand uh, either the depth of our own sin uh, and our need of God's grace, um, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, Likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So let's be clear on this. You can't even become a Christian without uh, admitting you have been wrong. Um, what is confession? It's to agree with what God says. What is repentance? The Greek word metanoia uh, that's translated repentance literally means to have a change of mind. You can't even become a Christian. You can't even start down this road. You can't even get through that door without humbling yourself. I love, uh, uh, this is from the One Minute Bible. It says, confession gets your sin out in front where you can deal with it. Repentance takes it out to the curb where God can haul it off with the rest of your garbage and leave you feeling clean again. I uh, don't know if you were able to be, uh, I think it was, I, I believe it was two weeks ago again when uh, Josh shared some of his um, Jack, Jeff uh, Foxworthy um, takeoffs. Uh, you might be a prideful person if, do you remember that? You might be a, he said, you might be a prideful person if you think you know everything. You might be a prideful person if you talk more than you listen. You might be a prideful person if you only connect with people like you. We, we could add to that, Right. Like, how about this? You might be a prideful person if you have a difficult time admitting when you're wrong. You know, the apology. How hard is that? How hard is it for me to admit when I'm wrong? Somebody said, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. I always think of the Fonz. I know that many of you aren't old enough to remember Arthur Fonzarelli, but I always remember that episode where he was saying, okay, I admit I was, he just couldn't get it out, right? How much am I like that? How much uh, do I struggle admitting when I'm wrong? Unless you think that you find that easy, just think about your marriage, if you're married. Or think about your children, if you have children. Or maybe think about your job, if you have a job. How hard is it to admit, you know what, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, On the Sunday of week five, um, four weeks ago, I made this observation, you may recall it, we were talking about the connection between receiving mercy from God and extending it to others. And I shared uh, my observation that I can find no instance anywhere in the Gospels uh, in the account of Jesus' life where he withheld mercy from someone who humbly asked for it. Not one instance where he withheld mercy from anyone anyone who humbly asked for it. And there were many, many, many instances where we see him uh, extending mercy and people receiving mercy. But not one instance where somebody humbly asked for mercy and didn't receive it. Nor a single instance where his mercy was received by someone who didn't think they needed it. Because the proud oppose God and God opposes the proud. And so humility is the essential beginning, the doorway to faith and the doorway to a relationship with God. Then there's that second word. The humbling is the first word and walk is that second word I want to just draw your attention to for uh, a, a few minutes. Um, life is a journey. Christians have historically had this term of reference when speaking about our lives as our walk because we get it from the Bible. It's a biblical concept. It's a, it's a metaphor for our, our, our living. All the way back as early, as the earliest uh, days recorded in Scripture, in Genesis chapter 5, it says, Enoch walked with God. Um, Genesis 6, 9 says, Noah walked with God. And you probably remember in Genesis chapter uh, 3 where it references God walking in the Garden of Eden. Um, there are a vast number of places where we see this. Far too many to even begin to reference them here this morning. Uh, but if you've read your Bible, uh, you would have seen them. Unle- unless you're, you're reading some modern translations uh, tr- actually translate the, word, the words uh, Old t- Hebrew, Old Testament, Greek, New Testament, as, uh, with the words live or life. And the reason for that is because it, it is a metaphor for our lives, walking in Scripture. Life is a journey. It's, we talk about our walk. We're talking about our living, our lives. Um, but the literal translation is our walk. Uh, and it's, it's everywhere in Scripture. Second um, uh, Corinthians 5, we walk by faith, not by sight. Romans 6, we're called to walk in the newness of life. Galatians 5 tells us we're to walk in the spirit. John 1 tells us we're to walk in the light. Uh, for, or first John 1. And first John 2 tells us that we are to walk as he walked. Uh, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. So it's a, it's a metaphor for our lives. And it's everywhere throughout scripture. I mentioned uh, a little bit ago Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, uh, so that no one may boast. But the next verse, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared for uh, beforehand, that we should walk in them. And so uh, there there are, you know, there are like a gazillion passages that have this. I I like this one, Leviticus 26, 12. Um, And here it says, And I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. So, the humility of faith opens the door for Christ to enter our lives. And when that door opens, God comes in. We're not created to live without him. We were created to have him with us, and in us, we are not whole without him. We can't truly live without him not in the sense that Scripture speaks of life. We can exist, but to truly live the way Scripture describes life, we must have God with us because He is the source of, of our life. Um, we are meant to have a relationship with God. But not only is humility the doorway to faith, it's the pathway in faith, not only can we not enter the kingdom of God without humbling ourselves, but we make no progress, no personal growth in our lives at any point along our journey without humbling our, ourselves. Jesus said to the disciples in John 15 it's recorded there he said I'm the vine you are the branches abide in me for apart from me you can do nothing That's dependence is what that is So think of, think about some of the things that are are uh, necessary uh, that uh, humility is necessary uh, for in, in our lives. Our walk depends on humility. Um, our walk depends on humility. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I'm just going to pause for a little bit there because I've been going through some of these scriptures really quick and referencing them really quick and I realize that you might not be able to, uh, to uh, you know, actually look them up in your Bibles. I'm going to ask you to look this one up. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. I'm just going to pause just a moment. Some of you... Uh, have already found it, and some of you don't know where the book of Colossians is. Isn't it great to be a part of the church where you have people in all different stages of the journey, all walking together? It's wonderful. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Just as you were taught. Learning requires humility. Many of the devotional that we've been doing together, if you've been following the devotional track, have been on this idea of hearing and how wisdom in the Old Testament, the word literally means to have a a listening heart. Um, How teachable am I? Hopefully, I'm not unteachable. But learning requires humility. Listening in the biblical sense, not just a matter of mental attention, as important as that is, it's is—it's a humble, humble attitude, because we don't learn when we think we already know. And so, humility is essential um, for learning. Learning requires humility. You know, we tend to put more emphasis on, uh, on aptitude than we do on attitude, and the world definitely puts more a focus on aptitude rather than attitude. But in Scripture, it's the other way around. That your attitude will trump your aptitude every single time. How many of you know this, that unlearning is way harder than learning? And yet, when you think about confession and repentance, unlearning is required for learning. It says in Psalm 25, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. That's verse uh, verse 9 of Psalm 25. The more we know, the more we know we don't know. It's like drawing close to God. Uh, The closer we get to God, the the more we realize how far we have to go to be like him. It's a paradox. But when you consider how great God is, and you consider the, the depth of the sin of our own hearts, then it makes perfect sense. But what does it mean when I have a strong opinion on everything? while at the same time I struggle to be a good listener. How willing am I to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit? How willing am I to submit to the Lordship of Christ? Because all of those things take humility. Being thankful requires humility. Uh, the Colossians passage there, we looked at a second ago, you maybe still have your Bible open. Colossians 2.7, it says, Abounding in thanksgiving. You can't be thankful without humility, because being thankful means to appreciate what you've been given. Being thankful doesn't go with earning and working, it goes with receiving and being gifted. Serving requires humility. Last week, Josh shared uh, from Philippians chapter 2 that the serving of christ began with him humbling himself himself and jesus said he who exalts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted he said the first will be last and the last will be first he said the one who would be great must become servant of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many obedience requires humility in fact, obedience may be one of the more fundamental demonstrations of humility. I mean, think about it. What is disobedience if it's not us thinking that we know better? Obedience requires humility. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33 says, you shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live and that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Obedience requires humility. The most commonly uh, used word in both the Old Testament and the New Testament for, the, for worship literally means to bow down. Bowing down is a physical posture that reflects an inner posture. Of what? Respect, submission. So every one of us is called to live a life of worship and submission and obedience. What's my inner posture? Good question to ask yourself at any point in time, at any day in your life is what's my inner posture right now? Community requires humility. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's a very significant passage because it comes at the very front end of all of Paul's practical admonitions in the last three chapters of Ephesians. Right after he's he's founded the great uh, theology of what it means to be in Christ in chapters 1, 2, and 3, as he starts chapter 4, this is what he starts with right here. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called with all humility. It's the starting point. Not only is it the starting point, but it is the critical point all along our journey. And there are a great number of other passages that talk about uh, the, the need for humility when it comes to community. Luke chapter 6, that, that well-known uh, and well-loved passage, sort of, where Jesus talks about the beam in our eye and the speck in the eye of our brother or sister. It's the pride in me that prevents me from seeing my own sin for what it is. And it's the pride in me that, that causes me to embellish the faults of others. And then there's that passage in Luke 18 where the Pharisee and, and the tax collector go up to the temple to pray. Remember that? Yeah. So that's the second word, walk. Humbly, walk. And then the word with. With. Relationship, right? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8 mentioned this earlier. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. They heard the sound. I don't know what that sounds like in uh, in the Garden of Eden. But I'd like to think about what it sounds like in your life and mine. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. The journey metaphor of our walk is as old as life itself. And God in, is inviting us. And in in the gospel, God is inviting us to have a relationship restored. It is the restoration of a relationship because that's what this word with is, is all about, walking with God. And throughout this series, we've been learning uh, that our ability to act justly and to love mercy um, are, are contingent upon God doing a work in our hearts and lives that we just don't have it in us to do the things that we need to do until God until we allow God to put it there and until God puts himself there and so the call of the gospel that we uh, as a church are called to extend to uh, others and to live out of ourselves is the call to receive Christ, the call to, to humble ourselves before the, the, the Lord of life and to uh, ask for his mercy and to, to uh, receive his forgiveness. And when we have that forgiveness, he comes in. The presence of the Holy Spirit of Jesus is the most important thing in your life. But it's all contingent on us humbling ourselves. Pride's our big problem. If you ask yourself what's what's the big problem we face in our world today, you get a lot of different answers. I think, I, I think we can safely say the biggest problem is pride. Because it's just as humility is the mother of all other virtues. There are all kinds of virtues. But humility is the mother of them all. And just as humility is the mother of all virtues, so pride is the father of all our sins. It's the biggest problem we have. Because God can and will forgive every sin but only if we humble ourselves before him the ability to act justly and to love mercy how, how does pride manifest itself in, in, in our world around us and in our lives there's lots of ways of course but one of the ways is how we talk to each other or how we talk about each other. And it's not so much disagreement, of course there's gonna be disagreement, but it is about having a a belligerent attitude instead of a humble attitude, a belligerent attitude. What uh, scripture refers to as a pride of mind. We just think we know better. As a culture, we we think we're so smart, we're so smart, we've convinced ourselves that previous generations were completely backward, naive, unsophisticated, misdirected, and had everything all messed up, but we've got it all figured out and we're going to fix it all. Did those who have gone before us make mistakes? Yes, they did. Did they have it all right and have it all figured out? No, they didn't. But we want to think we do. And our smartness becomes our smugness. And there's no humility with it. Just pride. Pride is the spirit of the age. There is a culture of belligerence that feeds on cynicism. And it spouts out insults and innuendos and spews angry and combative Ad hominem comments like confetti on social media. There is no humility in the atheistic materialistic worldview. If you read the Humanist Manifesto, you'll see no humility in it. Or, or, if you will, the, the, the poem of the humanist declaration by William Henley called Invictus. In, in the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. There's no humility in that at all. and that's why we see so little real justice in our world lots of talk about justice lots of using terms about justice but 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 how much real justice do we see how much how much real forgiveness and mercy do we see we see a lot of shaming a lot of writing people off write them off for a lifetime they messed up that's it for you buddy you have to go to your grave Bearing the shame and the guilt. That's the attitude of the world. I hope you know that that's not the attitude of Christ. What an opportunity we have as Christians to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Thaddeus Williams, in his book Confronting Injustice, says We have watched a culture that prided itself in its non judgmentalism turn into one of the most judgmental societies in history. <clears throat> so those who oppose God have no humility. But what about those of us who profess to know him and walk with him? What's our confession? What is it that we confess? We confess Jesus as Lord. What do we confess about ourselves? Humility is our most appropriate and definitive posture. I'm talking about the posture of our hearts. You know, it's easy to be a critic. This is a quote from uh, Timothy Keller. I like this one, uh, too. Um, some of you may be familiar with him. Tim Keller, great, uh, tremendous writer. He's actually battling cancer. Uh, prost- I think it's prostate cancer. Um, these days. Uh, but just a tremendous writer and uh, pastor, former pastor. He says, think of fanatical people. They're overbearing, insensitive, and harsh. Why? It's not because they are too Christian, but because they are not Christian enough. They are fanatically zealous, but they are not fanatically humble, sensitive, empathetic, or forgiving. As Christ was. So those who oppose God lack humility, but what about those of us who profess to know Him and to walk with Him? It is our most appropriate and defining posture. Peter says, Clothe yourselves, all of you. 1 Peter 5 Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another our humility is not just humility towards god it has to start there that's the most important humility we have is our humility toward god but it it does not stop there it only starts there peter says clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another What does that look like? Well, I know, I, I know what it looks like because I've seen it. I've seen it in in your lives. I've seen you do this. Be a good human. He has told you what is good, oh man. Jesus says, if you want to be not just a, a good human. If you want to be a great human, you need to humble yourself. It all starts with humility. But then any real progress, any growth that we experience to become good human beings, we make only as we humble ourselves before God moment by moment as we walk with him it's not an unconditional promise is it walking with God is conditional what's it conditioned on we have to walk humbly see that's the only way we can walk with God without humility we don't walk with God you can't walk with God without it. And Josh said last week that uh, putting others first is a uniquely Christian virtue. A- and it is. The, 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 the world doesn't have a, a philosophy or a, or a theology. Well, the world doesn't have theology, but they don't have a philosophy uh, of putting others f- First. It, it, can't, it can't be. It's always looking out for number one, right? And, but Jesus comes along, and it's radical. He says, put others first. That concept is uniquely a Christian virtue. Well, I want to say to you this morning that the kind of humility we find in Scripture is also a uniquely Christian virtue. It doesn't fit into a secular, humanist, materialist worldview. It is a Christian virtue. And it is the mother of all virtues, because it is the doorway by which we enter the kingdom of God, and every step of the way, as we're encouraged to walk with him, we must walk humbly with our God. I'm not sure what all you do to cultivate humility in your life, in your heart and life. I've mentioned a number of things this morning you know, about being willing to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, allowing the, God, the Spirit of God to use His word in, in our lives, uh, serving others has to be has to be a, a major way in which God wants to cultivate humility in us. It has to be. Learning to be obedient to God and acting justly and, and loving mercy. I think these are all ways that God wants to cultivate humility in our lives. Well, I'm gonna close this morning with this thought of posture. What's the posture of our, of your heart? we can we can pray with our eyes lifted to heaven we can stand and praise God and pray and call upon his name but there's something about the humility and the bowing of our hearts that is absolutely critical in our lives. Because even when you are standing and and when you're lifting your eyes to heaven and we're encouraged to do that, my heart better be bowed. I'm going to ask you to stand uh, at this time with me. You know, we uh, we've been spending these past nine weeks thinking about what it means to be a good human. I think the most important takeaway from all of this is is this. It takes God. That's what it takes. Because you and I were not created or ever meant to walk apart from him. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. And that's why. We need him every moment of every day. And it's only through us recognizing that need and humbling ourselves always before him that we have the amazing, amazing privilege of having him walk with us we get to walk with God. So question. First of all, have you humbled yourself before God to receive the mercy of Jesus that he's extending to you? Have you done that? Has there been a time in your life where you, where you intentionally humbled yourself to receive and respond to the gift of, of life that he offers you and me? in the person of Jesus? Have you done that? If you, if you, if you can't say if, that you have intentionally done that, then you need to do that. Don't put it off another 2nd we We're going gonna pray in a moment and I hope you'll pray that prayer and just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I know I'm a sinner. I humble myself before you even now and I thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I can have forgiveness for all of my sin and I humbly accept the gift of of life, the gift of salvation. But question number two is for those of us who have that profession, is are we walking humbly with God? Am I walking humbly with God? What is the posture of my heart? Because if I allow myself to grow in pride, I will not grow in any of the virtues that we so desperately need in our lives. It shuts the door up of heaven and shuts, effectively shuts the work of God out of our, of our lives. And you don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So will you pray with me this morning as we close? Lord, I thank you for this tremendous group of people. I thank you for the privilege, the awesome privilege that I have of being a part of this church family. And I thank you so much for each one, Lord, and for uh, the the lessons that I have uh, been able to learn, just even just from um, from observing uh, your work in the, in their lives. I thank you for the in the humility that I see demonstrated in the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ, and and Lord, I I just pray that you would cause it to increase, even in these difficult days, Lord, that you would before all things that you would give us humble hearts that we might receive from you all that you have for us in these days and all we need. And Lord, if there's someone listening who's never humbled their heart to receive you as Savior and Lord, we pray that you would open uh, their eyes and soften their hearts even now that they might humbly Reach out and accept that gift by faith that they would be wonderfully saved right now today and look forward to a lifetime of walking with you. I thank you for your people today, Lord. And I thank you for the grace that we have in our Savior, our beautiful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.